podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Wednesday, June the 1st, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield are a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from. For example, if you're a UK expat and you want access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, those type of things... A Liberty Shield VPN can get you where you want to be and keep your data safe. If you're an Irish expat, it works the same way for RT Player. A US expat wanting HBO Max or Peacock or whatever it is you want to get, a Liberty Shield VPN is the way to go. The number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot, five-star ratings across the board. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL. 25 that's epl25 to get 25 percent off at checkout it works for both the hardware and the software packages the hardware package is a router that's sent out you just plug it in simple to use get using it straight away the software package is even easier it's instant download to your devices i used it saturday night to watch the champions league final on youtube via the bbc uh, the bt sports um stream I wish I hadn't, but it did, and it worked perfectly. Never have any problems with it. I use it all the time and never have any problems with it. So, like I said, libertyshield.com, EPL25. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy, Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Yesterday, we went through the first five Premier League clubs to have a quick look at what they might need for the summer. Now, obviously, one of them is no longer a Premier League club. We did Arsenal. We did Aston Villa. We did Brentford, we did Brighton, and we did Burnley. Burnley aren't going to be in the Premier League next year, but it was interesting to have a look at their squad and see just how much of a rebuild they're facing this summer or how much they would be facing if they were to try and build a real squad, which they haven't done in years. Today, we've got the next five. We've got Chelsea, Crystal Palace, Everton, Leeds and Leicester. We've got some interesting news And we've got the gossip. So we've got a pretty full show today. So let's start with Chelsea. Obviously, it was a bit of a strange season for them with the sanctions, with the Roman situation. He's now gone. Todd Bowley and Clear Lake partners, they're in control. They are now the ones controlling the purse strings. They are the ones who will be trying to make Chelsea for the first time in the best part of 50 years, a viable business, a profitable company. Think about that for a second. Think about your own football club. Think about the accounts that come out every year. And think about the likelihood of your football club still being in existence if they had lost money pretty much every season for 50 years. Ken Bates bought them, remember, in the early 80s for a pound with significant debt. He sold them in 2003 on the brink of bankruptcy, on the brink of liquidation. And Roman has run them for 20 years at a loss of between 50 and 100 million basically every year. 
So that's what Chelsea Football Club have been. That's not what Chelsea Football Club are going to be. There's quite a bit of work needed this summer. Now, again, we're going to try and just mirror what they have been doing. So for Chelsea, even though my own belief is that Thomas Tuchel would rather play a 4-4, a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, I think he's going to stick with the four, the 3-4-3 the three, three next season. I think he's going to stick with what he's been doing. I don't think he'll make massive tactical changes over this summer. Or at least for the purpose of this, I don't think he will. So what do they need this summer? Well, goalkeeper, they're pretty much fine. I mean, Mendy has been very good since signing. Kepa has not, but Kepa cost £71.5 million, was signed on a seven-year contract that still has three years to run. And nobody is going to be willing to take on the wages and pay a fee. So Chelsea are probably better off just to keep him and use him as the cup goalkeeper. Then you've got Marcus Bettinelli as the third choice keeper, the quota filler. He's got a year left in his contract. He is solid. He's not good. He's not good enough to be a starter. But as a third choice keeper, he's solid. So goalkeeper's fine. Rudiger's leaving and Christensen is leaving. We know that. Aspilicueta, Chelsea had the option to extend his contract for the year. They have done that. So it looks like he might stay, though he is pushing to leave, as is Marcus Alonso. But he, like Aspie, has 12 months left in his deal. Thiago Silva has 12 months left in his deal, so he'll be there for next season as well. So the obvious thing they need to do is they need to replace Rudiger and Christensen. So they need two starting central defenders to go either side of Silva. Now, I think in Chalaba, Malang Sar, and Levi Colwell, who'll return on loan, that's probably their depth. But you're looking at two starting centre-backs. I think they're fine. At right wing back, you've got Reese James as your starter. Even if Aspie leaves, I still think someone like Dujon Sterling can be used as that backup right wing back for next season. You can also use Callum Hudson-Odoi there. And with less resources than they've had under Roman, I think it's smarter for them to use what they have rather than committing money to a position that's not necessarily one of need. If I was them, I wouldn't let Alonso go this summer. I'd keep him for the season, let him leave next summer on a free, and then replace him. But I'd I'd stick with him behind Ben Chilwell. Unless it's a case that he forces his way out or he threatens to cause trouble or whatever, but I don't think he's that type. So I think he'll be all right sticking about for another year. They've also got young Ian Matson, who's promising enough he could come back and fill some cup minutes for you so Chilwell the starter Alonso the depth and Matson can be the third choice there I think that's fine get those two centre-backs you wouldn't need to do it if you hadn't sold Tamori and Gwehi by the way but get those two centre-backs and that will keep your defence ticking for a year anyway ideally I think you buy two that can also play in a four for the long-term view the post Thiago Silva view. But the names that have been linked with Bar Koulibaly are really back three centre-backs. So we'll see what happens there. Into midfield, there's a lot of talk that Jorginho could leave. So if he goes, they'll have to replace him. You've got Kante, you've got Kovacic. Loftus-Cheek, I think, is someone that Tuchel likes. Uh, Saul will leave his loan is up. My expectation is that Ross Barkley will also leave. Kennedy, by the way, could also fill in at left wing back. So even if Alonso does go, I don't think you need to spend money there. I think Kennedy can give you some decent games in that role. I think they need to add one in midfield, but Conor Gallagher might be that one. If he's willing to stay and be a part of the squad rather than an every game starter like he was at Palace 
I think for that midfield too, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic and Gallagher is fine for a year. Mount can also play in there. Then in attack, you've got Mount, you've got Werner, you've got Pulisic, you've got Lukaku, you've got Havertz and you've got Zayic. You've also got young Harvey Vale. I think they're okay. I don't see the need for Chelsea to go and spend big on an attacker. They may well bring in Usman Dembele as a bit of a statement signing because he's not going to cost them a fortune up front. The signing fee will be 15 to 20 million to him. Whatever the agent gets, probably five, six million. It's a cost-effective short-term fix. Now, long-term, I'd imagine that wages, his wages will be painful, especially if he has time at his next club like he had at Barca, where, let's be honest, he has not done well. He has not done well at all. He's had a really good run since Christmas, and that's it. He's had injuries. He's been inconsistent. He's been immature. I wouldn't sign him, but he may, him and Koulibaly are two that I could see Chelsea signing this summer because the prices won't be outlandish to get them. The wages will be high, but they are big, splashy names. But I would say... Two centre-backs... Look, it depends. It depends on what we view Chelsea as. Do we view them as title challengers next season? Because I don't. I think this is more a summer to kind of steady yourself and maybe have a shot at the Champions League again next season. Now, Lukaku could leave, and if he leaves, they they will bring in a Ford. But I don't see them bringing in a Ford unless somebody leaves. And I don't mean Zayic, because I don't think he's all that impactful for them anyway. Kai won't leave. Hudson-Odoi could leave, and they could look to bring in Usman Dembele. That might be the move there. Werner could leave, in which case, then I could see them moving for someone. A Jonathan David, perhaps. I don't think Pulisic will go anywhere. I don't think Mount will leave. You would ideally like to add a real defensive midfielder, some a real ball winner that can also shield the defence to take some of the pressure off Kante and upgrade on Jorginho. But if Jorginho doesn't leave, I'm not sure that happens. The issue for Chelsea is that both Jorginho and Kante are out of contract next summer. But I do wonder if this might be just a summer of maintenance for Chelsea and that next summer might be one where they have a full year to plan for it and a full year to figure out what they're actually doing as a football club. Ethan Ampadu can come back and he can also be one of the centre-back options. And in fact, Chalaba Ampadu and Colwell would be a very solid back three in terms of depth. And you could sell Malang Sar. I think realistically for Chelsea next season, they're competing for third with Chelsea with, with Spurs. I think they'll aim to try and win a cup or two and they'll have a good run in the Champions League. I think two centre-backs. I think two centre-backs does that for them. I really do. I don't, I don't, I think this squad has underperformed this season. Now, I know one of the big risks is that Kante falls off a cliff, but you do mitigate that somewhat by bringing in Conor Gallagher. And he can split time with Kante, and you can keep Kante for the big, impactful games. I'm going to say two centre-backs. Do you know what? We'll go, we'll go back up wing-backs as well, because... It seems unlikely that they'll only sign two players. We'll go back up wing backs as well, even though I don't think they're necessarily 
needs as such. I think they will want them. And what Chelsea want, they often get. Now, they, I don't think they'll be spending huge money on those players, but they're smart enough to know what they do and don't need. Um, two centre-backs, backup right-back, backup left-back. Uh, moving on to a club that's a bit more straightforward in Crystal Palace. So, I think they need a starting goalkeeper, and it looks like they think that as well, because Sam Johnston appears to be on his way. Then you've got Butland, you've got Gaeta, and you've got Remy Matthews. They're going to be fine once they get Johnston in. Butland could leave. He's been linked with a couple of championship clubs. Um in which case Gaeta becomes the number two and Matthews is three, and that's fine. But yeah, I, I think starting goalkeeper, definitely a starting right back. Uh, Joel Ward is a, a good, honest grafter, but he's not quite Premier League level. Um, Nat, Nat Klein is probably past his, well, yeah, you know, he is past his best. So yeah, you probably want to replace him as well. So get that starting right back in. Nathan Ferguson is your backup. At left back, you've got Tariq Mitchell. You've got Adaramola. You're set at left back. At centre back, you've got Anderson and Gwehi. You desperately, desperately need to get depth. You need two backup centre backs because James Tompkins and Martin Kelly are both past their best. They're also both quite injury prone. They're not really reliable. So I'd be looking for two there. In midfield, I think Milivojevic, his time at the club is done. Um, didn't play regularly this season. When he did play, he wasn't good. So you'd be looking to replace him. They need a sitting midfielder. And Czech Dukure is someone that's been linked. He's not a sitting midfielder, but he is that holding midfielder. So he'd be one. You're going to have to replace Gallagher. So that's two. You need two midfielders. And the rest, I actually think, is fine. That, ter- that third midfielder, you've got Will Hughes, you've got James McCarthy, you've got Jeff Schlupp, you've got Ezzy who played there this season. Riedeveld can be your backup in the sitting midfield role and Koyate can play the sitting midfield role and box to box. So you get two starting midfielders in, I think you're good. And up front, it just depends on Zaha. If he stays, I don't think they need to do anything. Because they've got AU as depth, Zaha one wing, Olise the other, Ezzy can play on the wing, Mateta, Eduard, and Benteke through the middle. Raksaki can play as a wide player as well. Is a wide player as well. So he can play in that front three. I think it's starting goalkeeper, starting right back, two starting midfielders, and two depth centre backs. So six. I think that's far more straightforward than what Chelsea have to do. Because with Chelsea, it's a lot of if, buts, and maybes. And the gap between them and Liverpool and City was so stark this season. But like I said, I think Chelsea underperformed. I think just consistency and a couple of less injuries will close that gap probably by 10 points. It's not like Rudiger, like I know Rudiger got this big reputation the last couple of years, but he's not a particularly great defender. He's quite bombastic, he's quick, he's aggressive, but fundamentally, he's not a great defender. Christensen's a far better defender than him. But Christensen is also error prone, as is as is Rudiger. Rudiger will score you goals though. Not many, obviously, he's a centre-back. He might get you four or five in a season. And that, for some people, seems to make up for the errors at the other end. Sergio Ramos made a career of this. Scored big goals. People forgot about the goals he caused his team. Martin Skirtle was great for this as well. In the 13-14 season, I think he scored eight goals. I think he got four or five own goals and gave away five penalties. Something stupid like that. But he definitely had a negative effect on the team over the course of the season. Palace, it's going to be about building on what they've done, potentially getting a top half finish. And I think that's a straightforward path for them. Moving on to the weirdest team, Everton, because who knows? Who knows? We don't know what kind of money they're going to have to spend. 
we don't know what Lampard actually wants to be as a manager. We don't know what this team wants to be. But we'll take it on what it is. They've got Pickford. They've got Begovic. They've got Virginia. I think they're all right in goal. Now, none of them would be players that I would want, but I think they'll be happy enough. At right back, they've got Nathan Patterson and they've got Seamus Coleman. I think that's that. At left back, now I think he's more a centre-back in a three than a left-back, but Michael Enko will be the left-back. Niels Nkunku might be kept next season as the depth behind him. And Fabian Delph can also play there, or Fabian Delph as he somehow became during this past season. So he can fill in if needed. The full-backs, they're fine. I think they need a starting centre-back to go next to Godfrey because Mina can't stay fit. So Mina, Holgate and Michael Keane, that's fine as depth, but you need a starter to go next to Godfrey. So centre-back is definitely the first big need for them. They definitely need a holding midfielder. They need to upgrade on Alain. He had a bad season. His legs are gone. And he doesn't seem to pass the ball anymore. So you've got to upgrade on him. I think they also need another one in midfield. I think they've got to go Decore Alan plus or Decore new defensive midfielder plus one. And if Alan leaves, Gabaman can become the backup defensive midfielder. Iwobi can be a backup eight. And there's obviously Andre Gomes can be a backup eight as well as can Tom Davies. So two starting midfielders, back, a holding midfielder and a starting number eight, maybe one who can give you a little bit more on the ball. Like Decore is really powerful, gets forward well, he can carry the ball well. I think you're looking for someone that's got a little bit more creativity, a little bit more ability to put the foot in the ball and dictate a game. Up front, again, assuming they keep Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, which I'll say now, I think both of them will leave. But I think those two with Damari Gray, I think that's actually a, a good front three. And then you've got Anthony Gordon as, a, as your fourth forward who can play either wing. You've got Delhi. What he can offer, I don't know. I'd be looking for a backup nine and a backup wide player. And look, maybe Delhi can transition into a number eight role and be an off-ball runner. Maybe they don't want someone that can control the game. Maybe they want to play counter-attacking football, which is something Frank has done before. And if that's the case, then Ducure can sit that bit deeper next to that holding midfielder and let Delhi go. Maybe they do that. And that could be fine. So maybe they don't need two starting midfielders, but I would say you're probably better off to go and get them. So starting centre-back, two starting midfielders, and two depth players up front. Is it ideal? No. It's not going to win you anything, but it should certainly help you avoid what you did last summer. Now, the funny thing is, the ideal backup striker is probably someone like Moise Keane, who they own, but he's at Juventus on loan till next summer. So they're not even getting the money for him this summer. They're such a badly run club. Like Cenk Tucson is still collecting checks. How is how is Cenk Tucson still collecting checks? I wonder actually if Ellis Sims might get some more run next season. He had a decent couple of loan spells over the last two seasons. Maybe he gets some run. But still, two back, two backup attackers, two starting midfielders, and a starting centre back. Uh, Leeds United, they've got two very young goalkeepers. They do own Kiko Casilla, but nobody wants him at their club, so they should probably look to bring in a veteran goalkeeper who can just give them mentorship for these two young goalkeepers. Because Melier and Klassen, they both have a lot of talent. Melier had a rough season, but they've got a lot of talent. 
and they do need to be nurtured. So getting that experienced third keeper in would be would be important. Absolutely need a starting right back. Luke Ayling's not good enough to start in the division, but he can be fine as a backup. They spent quite a bit of money on Junior Firpo last season. He didn't have a great season, but there is a player there. You've just got to figure out how to get the most of him. I think a backup left back is definitely a position of need as well. Uh, at centre back, I'd be looking for a starter to go next to Diego Loriente. I think Robin Cock and Struyck are fine as backups. Liam Cooper can be your fifth centre back. Leo Gjeld is one for the future, but for now, I would say he's not not of the level that you want. Um, Charlie Cresswell's another young centre back they have there. They've got. They've got an impressive collection of young players. I'd like to see some of them get loaned out next season. Cody Drama's another one. Um, so at the back, starting right back, starting centre back, back up left back. In midfield, Phillips is brilliant. And the rest is a bit meh. Stuart Dallas, he's obviously got the bad injury. But championship player, Adam Forshaw, championship player. Glish is inconsistent. There's a lot of kids. I do wonder if Jack Harrison could play a bit more in midfield. He's got the build, he's got the skill set. I wonder if Jack Harrison could play. If not, you need a starting midfielder to go in next to Calvin Phillips. In the wide areas, they've got Dan James, they've got Rafinha, they've got Brandon Aronson who can play wide or, or as a 10. So I think you're probably fine in the three behind the one. There has been links to somebody. Somebody was linked recently. I can't think who it was. But I remember thinking it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, unless Rafinha is to leave, which is obviously a strong possibility. Up front, You've got Bamford. You've got to get a backup striker. You've got to get a backup striker. You can't rely on Joe Gellhart and Sam Greenwood. They're kids. You've got to go and get a backup striker for Bamford. So most of their business needs to be done at the defensive end. Their defense has been a disgrace since they came up. They've got to address it this summer and get that partner in for Calvin Phillips. Don't be relying on the likes of Lewis Bates and Scott McKinstry and Liam McLaren next season to play too regularly. Get more experience into your team. Even if that midfielder is Tyler Adams or Weston McKenney, someone like that, or both, if they had the money, could be good signings, could be players that sort out. Now, it does look like they're in the mix for a right-back. Rasmus Christensen from... RB Salzburg, one of Marsh's former players, he's been strongly linked. So he may come in at right back and he would be an upgrade on a big upgrade on Luke Ayling. Um, so yeah, depth keeper, veteran depth keeper, starting right back, starting center back, backup left back, starting midfielder, backup striker. Six. And Leicester City, they've got Casper, they've got Danny Ward. I'd be looking to buy your goalkeeper of the future, someone that you can develop into the successor to Casper Schmeichel, who's had a contract in 12 months. Now, St. Etienne were just uh, relegated. Etienne Green, their goalkeeper, is really, really good. And he's someone that would definitely be worth taking a look at. You've got an, an existing relationship with Sadetti and having done the deal for Wesley Fafana, I'd go knocking on that door again, but that's just me. And right back, they've got James Justin. They've got um, Ricardo Pereira and Timothy Castanier can play there. At left back, they've got James Justin. They've got Luke Thomas and they've got Ryan Bertrand. So I don't think they'll touch fullback this summer. At centre back, they've got Fafana. They've got Soyuncu. They've got Evans. Amarty played there a lot this season. They've got Vestigar, but he needs to go. I would say they need a starting centre-back to partner Wesley Fafana. 
Make Soyoung Chu and Evans your depth centre-backs. They're also both at a contract next summer, by the way. Um, so I would say Leicester need to go and buy a starting centre-back to go with Fafana. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I would be ringing Arsenal saying, if you want Yuri Tielemans, we want William Saliba. I actually think Arsenal would do that deal because I don't think Arsenal understand how good Saliba is. And I think maybe his personality is a bit too much for what is quite a weak-minded manager in Mikel Arteta. In midfield, Tielemans is leaving, so you've got to replace him. So you need a starting centre midfielder to go next to Ndidi um, and possibly Dewsbury Hall if they stick with the, the 4-3-3. So starting centre midfielder, I think you're fine in terms of depth, really. I'd be bringing Dennis Pryat back. I know he's, he's... They haven't sold him permanently, have they? Yeah, he's on loan at Torino. I'd bring him back. I'd bring him back and I'd keep him another year, even if you lose him for free. You've got him, you've got Samari, you've got Hamza Chowdhury, you've got Nampali's Mendy. I think you're good. I think you just need that one starter to replace Yuri Tielemans. Um, In attack, you've got Madison, you've got Barnes... You've got Vardy, you've got Iheanacho, you've got Eozi Perez and Pat Sambaka. I'd look to keep Adamola Luckman and I'd probably leave it alone. I'd play Barnes on the right, Madison on the left and Iheanacho through the middle. And then the rest is my depth. That would, that's what I would do. I'd have Barnes and Luckman on the right. I think that's fine. I think um, all uh, Madison and, say, Perez as my left-sided options Barnes and Luckman can also fill in there, obviously. And then you get Iheanacho, Vardy and Daka as nines. I think that's good. I wouldn't touch that. I wouldn't mess with it. I'd just move forward with that for another year. Starting centre-back. Starting central midfielder. long-term goalkeeper. I don't think Leicester need massive amounts. It's a really good squad. Now, if, you know, there's been some talk that Ricardo Pereira could leave. If he does shift James Justin back to right back and get a left back in, but if not, Pereira and Justin, that's fine. Fafana is massive. He's going to be an absolute star. Get that partner for him. Get that long-term goalkeeper in. I think you'll be set at the back. Replace Yuri, you're set in midfield. And I wouldn't touch the attack. I, I'd keep Luckman. And if Luckman leaves, then you need a replacement. But I don't think Leicester need major surgery this season. I think they're actually in good nick. They just had a very disappointing season. And they had a lot of injuries. One of their focuses needs to be addressing the contracts of players that are up next season. And do they want to commit to Kasper Schmeichel and Jamie Vardy beyond this season, because both of them will be 36 next summer. And he could look to do, you know, one-year contracts if both were willing, and they probably would be. So you probably do one-year contracts with both of them. Um, you probably you probably let Pryat leave on a free next summer, and you go and buy a replacement. Um, same with Nepali's Mendy. I'd look to extend Hamza Chowdhury, especially given his status as a homegrown player from their academy. Yuri will go. Uh, I'd let Bertrand go next summer without doubt. Evans, maybe you do another year for him as well, just from a leadership point of view, to keep him, Casper and Vardy as the senior voices in your dressing room. I would look to extend Sayunchu. I think he's too valuable to let leave for free, but I might look to extend him and then sell him. Vestigard, I would fire from a cannon. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not major surgery for Leicester. Two starters and a long-term goalkeeper. I don't think they need to do much more. Rodgers has talked about a big shake-up. I think that's nonsensical. One of the best things you can have in this league is continuity. But I think a part of that as well was Rodgers wanting to deflect blame from himself onto his players, which is a very Brendan thing to do. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of his assistants ended up leaving this summer. 
because again, that's a very Brendan thing to do. Uh, and that is our five clubs for today. So tomorrow we'll carry this on. And what we will look to do is the next five. So the next five clubs will start with Liverpool. Then we'll have City, United, Newcastle and Norwich. So varying degrees of what's needed and what's wanted. Uh, Right, we'll take a break. And when we come back, we've got a decent amount of news and we've got the gossip. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, Paul Pogba will leave Manchester United on a free transfer this summer. United have announced that his time at the club has come to an end. It was a low-key end to a United career that brought so many individual high moments, so many beautiful goals, assists, and pieces of skill. For a boy that joined the academy at 16 to make over 200 appearances, and lift the youth cup along with two major pieces of silverware is something that should be applauded and celebrated. No mention of the fact that United paid £89 million plus about £40 in agent fees and signing bonuses on top of that, plus then the six years of wages on about £15 a year, don't you know? So... All told, United are 220, 230 million into the hole for Pogba. But it's okay. He made over 200 appearances and lifted two major pieces of silverware the Europa League and the Carabao Cup. Let's go season by season. The first season he's there 51 games, 4,350 minutes, nine goals, six assists. United win the Europa League. United win the Carabao Cup under Jose Mourinho. And he plays pretty well for the most part. The second season, 37 appearances, 2,879 minutes, six goals and 12 assists. If you based it on that, you'd think he'd had a good season, but he didn't. He did not play well that season. He did some impressive stat padding. Scored against West Ham. Goal and assist against a very poor Swansea team. An assist against Stoke. Goal and assist against a bad Newcastle. Two assists against a decent Arsenal team. uh, Who finished fifth, I think. Uh, two assists against the mediocre Everton team, two more against a mediocre Stoke team, two goals against City. That's what he had, two goals against City, assist against a bad Bournemouth team, and a goal against Arsenal. He got a goal, an assist against, against Spurs in the FA Cup, nothing in the League Cup, and... Um, One assist in the Champions League against CSK Moscow and didn't really turn up in the knockout stages against Sevilla. Wasn't a good season. Then he had his best season at United. 18-19 was his best season by a considerable distance. 47 appearances, 4,012 minutes, 16 goals and 11 assists. This was actually a good season. Now, his Champions League form was fairly shocking. But in the league, he played well. And he turned up in relatively big games. He had a great run in the middle of the season from like mid-December through to mid-February. He was really, really good. He was probably the best player in the league for those two months. And then he drifted off. But that was his best season for United. Other than the first, you know, the first season he won two trophies. So maybe you can argue that. Since that season, though, it has been one Massive flop after another. 1920, 22 games, 1600 minutes, one goal, four assists. Of his four assists, 
Two of them came in the first game of the season at home to Frank Lampard's Chelsea when United won 4-0. Then he missed months, got an assist against Spurs, got an assist against Brighton and scored against newly promoted Aston Villa. Missed most of the season with an ankle injury. Very disappointing. 2021 then, 42 games, but only 2,861 minutes. Six goals, nine assists. Starts well in the Champions League, gets an assist against PSG, gets an assist against Leipzig, and then disappears as United go out in the group stage. Um, Rocks back up, obviously, then in the Europa League stage, uh, scores against Milan, gets an assist against Granada, scores against Roma, plays 115 minutes in the final and goes off before the penalty shootout. Uh, In the league, scores against a decent West Ham, assist against a bad Villa, scores against a bad Burnley, scores against a really bad Fulham, Assists then against a bad Brighton, a mediocre Spurs, and a bad Burnley, and a bad Aston Villa. It's a disappointing season overall. This season, 27 games, one goal, nine assists, 1,782 minutes. Again, 300 grand a week, about 15 million a year. So he starts the season like a house on fire. He gets four assists against Leeds. One against Southampton in the second game. Two against Newcastle in the fourth game. So he has seven assists after three games. It's a record. He gets one goal and two assists the entire rest of the way. Missed a big chunk with a hamstring injury. Came back. Scored against a really bad Burnley team. Got an assist against Brighton. Got an assist against City in a game United lost 4-1. And that was it. That was all he did. He got hurt against Liverpool and we didn't see him again. An absolute damp squib. The fact that he plays for Man United. Now, I have no doubt, no doubt at all, that Paul Pogba will go on and have success somewhere else. And certain people will try and say, oh, all he needed was this or all he needed was that and look what he does away from United. The fact of the matter is that he couldn't have tried any less at United. He drifted through his time there. Absolutely drifted. Because he was led away with it. And the fact that they even considered giving him a new contract tells you everything you need to know about how badly run that club is. He goes down as one of, if not the biggest flop in Premier League history. Well over 200 million invested in Paul Pogba, all told. Transfer fee, agents fees, signing bonus, wages. Plus any bonuses, he'll have gotten a sizable bonus for winning those two cups that first year. You're well, well over 200 million. And we may even be being conservative here. It could be pushing 250 million, not just the 220, 230 mark. So, you know, he's got to be the most disappointing player of the generation. This guy should have been the best midfield player in the world the last six years because he has everything. He's big, he's rangy, he's a great athlete, he's a great passer, incredible technical ability, can carry the ball, can pick any pass, got the touch, the weight, the vision. Outrageously gifted. But just never had the the mentality to go with it. If he had the mentality of Jordan Henderson, he'd be the best, not just the best midfielder, he'd be the best player in the world. Or James Milner's mentality. If he had that coupled with his ability, he'd be incredible. Absolutely incredible. 
Graham Souness and Roy Keane, two all-time great midfielders, didn't have his talent. They had plenty of talent, but they didn't have his. There's been very few midfielders in the history of the game with Paul Pogba's level of natural footballing ability. And he's just wasted it. Absolutely wasted it for six years. Like he joined United, rejoined United as a 23-year-old. He wasn't even in his prime yet. And yet we never got to see prime Pogba. We never got to see him have a prime. Now he's only 29, so he can still go on and have, you know, two, three really good seasons elsewhere. But there is absolutely no way to look at his time at United and view it as anything other than a massive flop. And the fact that United have just let him run out his contract is just, is so poor. So poor. He should have been sold two years ago. Find anyone. Like you would have found a club that would want him because he's Paul Pogba. And clubs are always infatuated by talent and big names. Real Madrid would have bought him two years ago. PSG would have bought him two years ago. Juve would have bought him two years ago. You might have, you would have lost a fortune. You would have got 30 to 40 million, but that's more than you're getting now. And what have you gotten from him for the last two years? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. United have been a better team without him the last couple of seasons. It's such a shame for the Premier League that it didn't work. But it's no surprise that it didn't work at United. I assume he'll end up back at Juventus. And in 2026, when he's 33, we'll hear that Manchester United are considering a move to bring Paul Pogba back to the club, that Pogba feels he has unfinished business or some such nonsense. But for his sake, I hope he doesn't come back to the Premier League. I really do. He needs to go be Molly Coddle somewhere. So let him do that. Interesting to note that in the tweet United put out highlighting his greatest moment at the club, it's a deflected shot in the Europa League final, like a bad shot that takes an enormous enormous deflection and finds its way into the net. That's the best they could conjure from six years. And considering they've known he's been leaving for months, they had plenty of time to find something better. Uh, Harry Maguire says that the bomb threat crossed the line. Harry Maguire says he can accept criticism of his performances, but a, a line was crossed when he received a bomb threat. Now, I do agree. I do agree. There is absolutely no place for that. What I will say is that it, there was never going to be a bomb. So if you were to get a threat like that, you can probably just dismiss it. It's way out of line, but not necessarily something he should have overly concerned himself with. I know he has his, his missus and his kids and whatever, but still. Um, but the thing is, he can't accept criticism. I'm big enough to accept people, you are big enough anyway, to accept people getting on my back and saying I can improve. But you, you can't because every time you've been questioned on it, you've done something silly. Like say, well, look at the managers that have picked me. Yeah, you got sacked. They got sacked. The fellow who bought you got sacked, largely because of you. The fellow who replaced him, he's been sacked as well. He was meant to stay on as a consultant. He's gone. You haven't performed well. Harry Maguire cost 80 million. He's the most expensive defender in the history of the game. And he's not a, te- a top 10 centre-back in the Premier League. And all of the reports about United's potential summer business indicates a new centre-back, at least one new centre-back coming in, which means he's the one that misses out. And he also did that thing where he scored the goal and he put his fingers in his ears. Like, he scored against some really bad team. 
and celebrated like he'd won the World Cup. AC Milan, American investment firm Redbird to buy Serie A club for one billion. American investment group Redbird Capital, who are part owners of FSG, who own Liverpool, have reached an agreement to buy AC Milan from Elliott Advisors. The deal values Milan, who were crowned Serie A champions this year, at £1 billion. I'm really excited to see what they do from here. I'm really excited to see Milan back among the elite. Now, credit must go to Elliott Advisors, who took over the club in a really bad situation where the, the Chinese fellow was coming in to buy from Berlusconi. Uh, it turned out he didn't have any money and Elliot kind of parachuted in and saved the day. They took over horrendous financial problems and completely turned the club around and are making a sizable, sizable profit. Now, I Redbird are going to come in and try and run the club really smartly. They'll be trying to take some of the stuff that they've seen with Fenway Sports Group and they'll bring that to um, to Milan. So expect to see an even bigger emphasis on data-driven recruitment, something Milan do already. I think they'll target more players like Rafael Leao and Teo Hernandez, these massive upside talents. It could be a really exciting time for Milan. Uh, Richarlison, the Everton forward, has been charged by the FA over the flare incidents. Obviously, he picked up a blue flare and chucked it into the crowd. Well, he didn't chuck it into the crowd. He chucked it towards the back of a stand uh, where at Goodison there's like an empty spot. It's a bit weird. There's a gate there. It's all a bit weird. But, um, yeah, he's been charged with breach of rule E3 which covers improper conduct. Uh, seems a little bit harsh, but they do seem to be doing a bit of housekeeping at the moment. They obviously charged Lampard yesterday. Uh, big game tonight, Scotland versus Ukraine in the World Cup playoff semi-final. The winner goes forward to take on... The winner goes forward to take on Wales. So the Welsh are sitting home, defeat up. Um so there's a suggested team here. Craig Gordon in goal. Aaron Hickey, who's a left-back, playing right-back. Andy Robertson at left-back. Grant Hanley and Liam Cooper at centre-back. I genuinely can't think of much worse. But in a Steve Clark deep line, it, it should be all right. Uh, Billy Gilmore, John McGinn and Callum McGregor in midfield. Uh, Christy Adams and Dykes up front. It's not a great team, is it? It really isn't a great team. There's a lot of uh, a lot of hard work in that team, though. A lot of hard work. So that's what they're going to try and do: is graft their way to the to the playoff final against the Welsh. Now, I have to say, most of the Ukrainian players haven't played in months. There's going to be some incredible incredible um, emotion behind them and I wonder if it could inspire the Ukrainians to win this game and go on and potentially beat the Welsh I expect Wales to qualify regardless of who they face but the Welsh they're not unbeatable they're not unbeatable and Scotland if they get through will have a lot of belief in themselves and again a lot of graft Manchester United are considering a shock move for Mason Mount. Mason Mount's not going to United. Uh, Liverpool are tracking Ren Ford, Martin Terrier as, as a replacement for Sadio Mane. He's a good player. I just don't think he's a starting calibre player for Liverpool. I think he, like Jota, is more that fourth, fifth level of attacker. I also think he's more of a Firmino replacement than a, a Mane replacement. Um, I wouldn't be against the signing. I just don't think he will be the signing. He's only really had one outstanding season. Now, it was an outstanding season. He was really, really good this past year. 
21 goals, seven assists in 3,385 minutes. That's a massive uptick for him compared to what we'd seen prior to that. The season before, nine goals, eight assists. A lot of inconsistencies. The big thing with him is his versatility. He can play all three front three positions off a striker or as a 10. That's why I think he's more a Firmino replacement because I do think he's most comfortable in those type of central positions. Uh, the season before that at Leon, he was really poor. Really poor. Six goals, two assists. Really struggled to get into what was a fairly average team. Uh, season before that, 11 goals, no assists. Again, wasn't wasn't great. Wasn't consistent. Uh, three goals and four assists before that in 1,800 minutes. That was back when he was at Strasbourg. So he's had one biggish move to Leon from Strasbourg. It didn't go well. Um, I'll be curious to see. I'd be curious to see how he'd do um, at a new club. He's also moved around a bit. He started off with Lille, then Strasbourg, then Leon, then uh, Ren. To play for four clubs at 25 is always a little bit of a red flag for me. Good player. I don't think he's a great player. I'm not sure he's one Liverpool would would really pursue as a starting option. But certainly he'd be a good squad option. Manchester United are pursuing a deal for Darwin Nunes. This continues to rumble. All talk coming from Portugal is that he doesn't want to go there because he wants to play in the Champions League. But we'll wait and see. Newcastle are set to bid for Dominic Calvert-Lewin with Manchester United and Arsenal also expressing interest. United have had long held interest in him. They wanted him last summer. Um, Arsenal, obviously, they're definitely in need of a of a striker. And Calvert-Lewin ticks some of the boxes, if not all of the boxes. Um, Real Madrid are close to agreeing a deal for Aurelien Chouameni. Paris Saint-Germain apparently are attempting to gazump them. Liverpool seem to now be out of the mix. So uh, I hope he ends up at PSG. Uh, Manchester United hopes of ta- of signing Frankie de Jong look to be over after he opted to stay. He just doesn't want to join a, a non-Champions League team. It's as simple as that. Tottenham are in the mix for Jed Spence. We know they want a right wing back. I still think Max Aaron suits them a bit better. Uh, Barcelona boss Xavi has held talks with Ruben Neves over potential transfer. I bet he hasn't. Uh, Juventus remain keen on Americ Laporte. If I was him, I'd probably look to move on at this point. I don't think City would be against it either. Uh, Ukraine, oh, Manchester City's Ukrainian left-back, Alexander Zinchenko, is attracting interest in both Everton and Newcastle, linked with Arsenal as well. He's a good player. He is a very good player. I think he's a better midfielder than he is a left-back. Uh, West Ham are closing in on a deal to sign Wren defender Naif Agard. The Hammers also tried to send him last summer. He's a good defender. It would be a good signing. Um, Chelsea have reignited... Oh, I did that one. Uh, Miguel Almiron's agent insists the 28-year-old will not be leaving Newcastle this summer with his release clause set to be 80 million. Uh, no one is going... Or sorry, 60 million. Still, no one's paying that. 15 to 20 million, you might find some interest. You're not getting any more than that. Georgian goalkeeper, Georgie... Marmardashvili, who is currently at Valencia, is on the radar of Tottenham. They do need a long-term goalkeeper. That could be the one. Don't know much about him. Inter Milan are set to hold talks with the lawyers of Romelu Lukaku to explore a return to Syria for the Belgian international. Um, yeah, I could see it. Leeds face a 10 million battle with Borussia Dortmund to sign Denmark right back Rasmus Christensen. I mentioned him earlier on. Brentford are also lining up Christians, and they love the Danish lads. Liverpool are set to beat Leeds to the signing of Calvin Ramsey. That's one that's been expected. Barcelona have made French international defender Clement Langley available for loan. I assume that's because nobody wants to buy him because he hasn't really had a particularly good time over the last couple of years. Um, He was at one point quite highly rated. I think he was overrated, but... He's decent. He's solid. He'd be a decent signing for West Ham. They need a left-footed centre-back. He'd make sense for them. Uh, And that is it. That is the gossip for today. That's me for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.
Social Podcast Network.